Welcome, friends. You are listening to the podcast for First Christian Church in Fort Myers, Florida. To learn more, join us online at fccfm.org. It is a blessing to be able to share God's Word with you today. Thanks for joining us. Good morning, FCC. So great to be in the room together today. Amen. Uh, to those of you worshiping with us online, whether you're on Facebook or YouTube, to all of you listening on Way FM, we want to welcome everybody here today. And uh, we hope you have enjoyed our time of worship through song. How many of you love to sing? Yeah, I love to sing. Don't they do a great job leading us in worship? I love music. I love singing, and it's not just worship music or Christian music. I have a very eclectic taste in music. And most days, what you will find me listening to is country music from the 90s. But then there are... (laughs) But then there are other days you'll find me listening to rap music, like when I'm running or exercising, and then there are other days you might find me listening to the old crooners, like Sinatra and Dean Martin. Now, before I moved to Florida, I had a 1976 Corvette, and when I drove my Corvette with the T-tops off, I liked to listen to rock and roll from the 70s and monster ballads from the 80s. Now, digitally, I have all kinds of stuff on my iPhone. And uh, yes, of course I use an iPhone, only the crazies use Android. (laughs) But on my iPhone, I have albums from Toby Mac to Lecrae, Elton John to Chicago, ACDC to Michael Jackson's greatest hits. Now, speaking of Michael Jackson's greatest hits, I probably listen to that more than I care to admit publicly. But this is a confidential conversation, right? A safe space to share. So I like Michael Jackson music. How many of you like Michael Jackson? Like his music? What's your favorite Michael Jackson song? Thriller, I knew somebody would say that. Billie Jean, Smooth Criminal, Beat It, that's a song from my childhood. I mean, those are some great songs, but my absolute favorite Michael Jackson song, it was actually a Jackson 5 song, is I'll Be There. You know that one, right? I'll be there to comfort you, build my world of dreams around you. You, you know it, yes? Oh yeah, that is it, that is such... It's all of you started smiling when that came on. Doesn't make you, that song just make you feel good? Like I'll reach out my hand to you. I'll have faith in all you do. Just call my name and I'll be there. That's right. You know why I like that song so much? Because it speaks to one of our deepest needs as humans. You know what we all need? We all need people in our lives who will be there for us no matter what. Well, today we're wrapping up a sermon series called Lemonade, How to Sweeten the Sour Seasons. 
from the life of Elijah in the books of 1 Kings and 2 Kings. And we are discovering in this series how we can thrive, not just survive, but thrive even during our sour seasons. And sadly, those who study such things say we as a people, as a nation, as a society are not thriving at all. They say we are facing a mental health crisis of near pandemic proportions. Rates of addiction, depression, anxiety, and suicide have been skyrocketing for the past few years. And aren't we seeing the fallout more and more every single week? When someone can purchase two assault-style rifles, 350 rounds of ammunition, seven high-capacity magazines in the span of one week, and then go and kill 19 children, something is seriously wrong. And I have to wonder how much of our mental health crisis has been worsened. Just going to say it by all the social distancing and constant isolating we've experienced these past few years as a result of not connecting with our loved ones and our families and our friends. One lesson I've learned for sure over the past few years is how important being connected is to our overall health and especially our mental, emotional, spiritual, and relational health. Now the truth is, and we see this woven throughout the fabric of scripture, but the truth is we need each other. We were made for each other. When Adam was alone in the Garden of Eden, what did God say? God said, this is not good. But when God created male and female and then sat back and saw all that he had made in Genesis 1.31, he said, this is very good. We were made for each other. We were made for intimacy, for companionship, for partnership, and for friendship. And today we wanna talk about friendship. We need friendship. We need friendships now more than ever. We need deep friendships now more than ever. We need those friends in our lives who will say, I'll be there to comfort you. I'll reach out my hand to you. Just call my name and I will be there. We always, but especially when life is sour, we always need friends. And that brings us to our big idea for today. Here it is, super simple. When life is sour, connect with friends. When life is sour, connect with friends. Week number one, our big idea was when life is sour, trust God. Week number two, when life is sour, obey God. Week number three, when life is sour, rest in God. And today, when life is sour, connect with friends. Don't do life alone, don't do pain alone, don't carry the weight of the world alone in good times and bad, connect with friends. I have a very good friend, his name is Jim. And Jim is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. 
Even though he lives in another state, even though we only see each other maybe once a year, even though we might text or talk maybe once a month, he knows that I will be there for him no matter what, and I know that he will be there for me no matter what. When my dad died, he showed up in Oklahoma for the funeral. He just showed up from out of state. In 2018, the church I had started in in Illinois, we grand opened this mega church building and we'd worked so hard to acquire that building and renovate that building. And when I got up to preach that very first Sunday, there sits Jim in the audience. He flew in and out just for that worship service in one day. He has stuck with me through good times, through bad times, through good decisions, through bad decisions, through seasons when we didn't see eye to eye. And if I could trust any friend to be there for me, no matter what, it would be Jim. I wonder, do you have a Jim in your life? Do you have a good friend who sticks closer than a brother, a friend who will stick with you through good times and bad, through good decisions and bad, even through seasons when you don't see eye to eye? Do you have that kind of friend? We all need those kinds of friends. We all need friends who will give us the gift of presence, P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E, presence, who will be there for us, who will show up for us no matter what. We need friends like Jim. And there's a Jim in the Bible, and his name is Elisha. Now, if you have your Bibles, we're gonna be in the Old Testament books of 1 Kings and 2 Kings, where we read about two dear friends, and these dear friends are Elijah and Elisha. Now, the books of 1 and 2 Kings, they, they tell the stories of the different rulers who led Israel in the days after King David. And a few of those kings followed God, but most of them did not. And because they did not follow God, the kingdom suffered greatly. But God still loved his people. And he cared about them so much, he sent them prophets, people who would speak to everyone about God, and they would share God's words with the people, and they would call the people to repentance, and Elijah was one of those prophets, and and we've learned, of course, so much about Elijah throughout this sermon series, and by the way, there's so much more to his story than we're covering in this series, and what I hope you'll do is I hope you will read his entire story in your daily time with God. But Elijah did amazing things through God's miraculous power. In 1 Kings chapter 17, Elijah asked God to bring on a drought to show how powerful God was and to demonstrate God's supremacy over Baal and Asherah, the the false gods of the Canaanite people. And, And God answered Elijah's prayer, and it did not rain for three years. And then later, when Elijah prayed again, it rained again. But that's not all. God did incredible miracles through Elijah that include raising a boy from the dead and defeating the prophets of Baal by calling fire from heaven in 1 Kings 18. We learned about that last week. And and it might seem like being a a prophet and speaking for God and performing incredible miracles was a pretty sweet gig, but it wasn't. It was actually really lonely and isolating and challenging, especially for Elijah. Because if you think about it, nearly everything he did involved confronting people in difficult ways, which always put him in the crosshairs of 
powerful people, King Ahab and Queen Jezebel in particular, they hated Elijah and they often tried to kill him. To the point that in 1 Kings chapter 19, Elijah fled to Mount Horeb and he hid in a cave and he dove deeply into depression and he complained miserably about his lot in life and he even started having these suicidal thoughts. In 1 Kings chapter 19 verse 4, Elijah prayed, I have had enough, Lord. I wonder how many of you have ever prayed that prayer. God, I have just, I've had enough. And then he prayed this, he said, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Elijah was miserable. He was constantly frustrated by his people and by the state of his nation. First Kings chapter 19, verse 14, he cried out to God again. He said, God, I've been very zealous for you, Lord God Almighty. The, the Israelites, they have rejected your covenant and they've torn down your altars and they've put your prophets to death with the sword and I'm the only one left and now they're trying to kill me too. Elijah felt all alone, completely isolated. And God knew that he needed encouragement. And so God sent Elijah to raise up someone to be the next prophet. And that man's name was Elisha. Not Elijah, but Elisha. Very similar names, two different people. But here's my point. God brought Elisha into an Elijah's life to be there for him and to be an encouragement to him. Here's how it went. First Kings chapter 19, verse 19 says, so Elijah went from there and he found Elisha, son of Shaphat, and, and he was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen and he himself was driving the 12th pair and Elijah went up to him and he threw his cloak around him. And you say, well, what's that all about? Well, putting his cloak around Elisha was a cultural sign that God had chosen this man to be his protege and his friend. And, and, and of course, Elisha, he could have said, uh, no way, I am, I'm a farmer, I'm not a prophet, that prophet life is hard, and I don't want it. But instead, Elisha promised to be there for Elijah no matter what. And, and the thing Elijah, Elisha did to signify his promise was, was really nothing short of sacrificial. First Kings chapter 19, verse 21 says, Elisha, he took his yoke of oxen and he slaughtered them. And then he burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat, and he gave the meat to all the people, and they all ate. And then he set out to follow Elijah and become his servant. And you think about that, you say, that is commitment. Why did Elisha do all of that? Well, he did that to solidify that he would be with Elijah forever, slaughtering his livestock, burning his farming equipment. Meant there was literally nothing he could go back to, even if he wanted to, there was nothing to go back to. Elisha was committed to Elijah no matter what. And if you read the whole story, you see Elisha followed through with his commitment. Elisha became Elijah's companion and his student and his protege, and he was there watching and learning everything he could, and, and he, he knew one day he was going to replace Elijah as God's primary prophet in the land, but first the two would become really close friends. But unfortunately, things would never get easier for Elijah. And Elisha, going alongside, had to suffer the same things his friend endured. He had to suffer with him. In fact, there were actually several occasions when Elijah 
tried to send Elisha away, not because he didn't want Elisha around, but because he knew it would be too painful for him to stay and he wanted to protect him. Second Kings chapter two, verses one and two says, Elijah and Elisha, they were on their way from Gilgal and Elijah said to Elisha, stay here. See, he's trying to protect him. You stay here, the Lord has sent me to Bethel. But watch what Elisha said. As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. What you need to hear there is no matter what. And so they went down to Bethel. Elisha was a good friend. He, he stayed with Elijah. He traveled to Bethel with Elijah. But when they got there, the same thing happened again. Second Kings chapter two, verse four says, then Elijah said to him again, stay here, Elisha. The Lord has sent me to Jericho. But Elisha replied again, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. See, no matter what. And so they went to Jericho. And when they made it to Jericho, wouldn't you know it happened again? Elijah told Elisha that God was sending him to the Jordan River. He tried to get Elisha to turn back. First, Second Kings chapter two, verse six says, then Elijah said to him again, stay here. The Lord has sent me to Jordan. And Elisha replied again, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. And so the two of them walked on. And if you don't know the whole story, you might wonder what was going on. And in summary, here's what we're going. Elijah knew his life on earth was about to end. And he wanted to spare Elisha the pain of loss. But Elisha said, no, I'm with you to the end. I'm here no matter what. He was that kind of friend. Unfortunately, most of our friendships today are fleeting because the truth is we're just not very good at building or maintaining friendships that last. And because we are not good at building friendships that stand the test of time, what I think we need is I think we need God's wisdom. I think we need to hear from God about how to do that very thing and, and hear his wisdom. And so what I did is I spent some time working my way through the book of Proverbs, which is a book of wisdom. It's filled with God's wisdom. And there are a number of themes there, including on friendship. So I wanted to know how, from God, how to build lasting friendships. And there I discovered five habits that I wanna share with you that will help all of us build and maintain friendships that will stand the test of time. And here's the first one, if you're taking notes. Wanna build friendships that last? First thing you gotta do is show up. Sounds pretty simple, right? Just show up. Proverbs 18, 24 says, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. And that's given some serious power to our friendships, isn't it? One who has unreliable friends comes to ruin. But there is a friend, and I love this phrase, there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. We live in a world of unreliable friends, of fair weather friends, of, of friends who want you to be there for them, but then they don't want to be there for you unless it's convenient. Have you ever had a friend like that? Have you ever been a friend like that? Friendships that last aren't based on convenience. Friendships that last are the ones where friends show up for each other. They're the friends who are with you in the good times and the bad times, but especially in the bad times. 
Told you earlier about my friend Jim. You know, I have two brothers who are very, very dear to me. I love them deeply. But Jim is closer than a brother. He always shows up when I need him. And I, I try to do the same for him. If, if I'm going through a hard time, there's been, there's been a time when call him on the phone, jump on an airplane, take me to coffee. A couple of years ago, I called him up and I said, I'm exhausted, I'm really tired, I was going through a difficult season. And, uh, and I said, hey, I need to get away. I just need to get out of town. Janice is working, she can't go with me. So let's just, let's go somewhere. And he said, where do you wanna go? I said, I don't know, I think there's Fort Myers, Florida. <laughs> True story. Jumped on an airplane, met in Fort Myers, Florida. Had a fun few days. It was my first time seeing and connecting with First Christian Church just by accident. He showed up. Even though we live, even now, 1,400 miles apart, days by driving, hours by flight, we show up for each other. You want friendships to last? You gotta show up. Number two, you gotta be honest. You gotta have friends that you can truly be honest with. Just like showing up is easier said than done, being honest is easier said than done. And yet if we're gonna build friendships that stand the test of time, we have to be honest. Proverbs chapter 27, verse six says this. It says, and I love this verse, it says, wounds from a friend can be trusted. But an enemy multiplies kisses. Now, there are several ways honesty plays out in a healthy friendship. First of all, you have to be honest enough about yourself just to be vulnerable, to be real, to not put on a show when you're with your friends. You can't hide yourself or pretend to be something you're not. You have to be who you are, and there's some vulnerability to that. And when you're not revealing your true self to your friends, that's eventually gonna come out, and your friends will feel betrayed. It will sabotage the friendship. And so we have to be honest about who we are. And you say, well, if I'm really honest about who I am, then they're not gonna like who I am. And the answer to that is if, if they're not gonna like who you are, then let it be known now. It's not gonna work anyway. Another way to be honest is to share your sins and struggles. You need some close friends in your life that you can trust enough to confess your sins and seek accountability. You need friends in your life that you give permission to wound you if you need to be wounded. Friends who can hold you accountable. And the other way to be honest is to share your relational frustrations with your friends. That means if they hurt you, you tell them. If your friendship is suffering because of something they're doing or saying, tell them. Be honest about it. If you're not honest, you'll become bitter and bitterness destroys friendships. Here's the third thing. Keep secrets on the DL. For those of you who don't know the lingo, that means the down low. Don't know what that means? Basically, it means you don't tell anybody. It means you can keep a secret. Proverbs 16, 28 says, a perverse person stirs up conflict and a gossip separates close friends. What separates close friends? A gossipy person separates close friends. 
And gossiping about your friends is a terrible way to be a good friend. If you wanna build friendships that last, don't talk about your friends behind their backs. First of all, because, I mean, gossiping is just wrong. But when you gossip, it will come out, and when it does, it will hurt everyone involved. If a friend shares a secret with you, keep that secret a secret. Unless the friend is in danger or about to put someone else in danger, keep it a secret. And if you can't keep it a secret because of some kind of danger, make sure to tell your friend ahead of time that you're gonna tell someone else. Gotta keep secrets. Number four, assume the best. Assume the best. In Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of Proverbs 25, verse eight, this is in the Message Bible, it says this, and I just, I love the way he summarized this. He said, don't jump to conclusions. There may be a perfectly good example, a perfectly good explanation for what you just saw. You know, in the season of COVID, I had to make some difficult decisions for our church in Illinois. And your leaders here, they had to do the very same thing for FCC. And every decision that I had to make, it was bathed in prayer as well as an enormous amount of research and only after consulting with experts, whether it be church consultants or medical professionals or best practice coaches, we consulted with everyone we could. And then we took those decisions that we had consulted through and prayed through and we filtered them through our executive team and our staff and our board of elders for feedback and for final policy and procedures. And no decision was made lightly which made it extra difficult when people just assumed decisions were made lightly or worse yet, with some political agenda in mind. And then rather than asking about our process or assuming the best, they just gossiped and left our church. And I know that happened for our church in Illinois. I have no doubt it happened for churches here in Southwest Florida as well. People assumed the worst instead of the best. And just a simple reminder, questioning motives is always judgmental and rarely helpful. Same is the case in friendships. There's gonna be misunderstandings, especially in long-term friendships. There's gonna be hurt, there's gonna be pain in long-term friendships. There's gonna be confusing seasons in long-term friendships and, and we just need to get to a posture of assuming the best, not the worst. So when I'm confused about this, something that happened, we'll be honest, ask, listen, learn. Most people and certainly most of our friends, I think at the end of the day, they're just trying to do the best they can with what they have. And that's not always easy. If you always assume the worst with your friends, your friends will not last. Over time, they'll be burdened with mistrust, eroded, and they'll fall apart. And then number five, and I think this is the most important, we have to forgive one another. We have to forgive. As we just said, there's gonna be misunderstandings, there's gonna be hurt any long-term Friendships, there will be pain. And that means to stand the test of time, there will have to be a lot of grace and a lot of mercy, a lot of the biblical phrases covering over of the offense, a lot of forgiveness. Proverbs 17, nine says, whoever would foster love covers over 
an offense. But whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. When your friends hurt you and they will, let the offense be covered over and move on and don't keep repeating the matter. Otherwise, the friendship won't last. People who struggle to forgive will always struggle to maintain long-term friendships. And so if you wanna build friendships that, that last, if you wanna be there for your friends, if you want your friends to be there for you, like Elisha was for Elijah, God's wisdom shared with us in the Bible says show up, be honest, keep secrets, which means don't gossip about your friends, assume the best when you don't understand what's happening and forgive one another. As Christians, I think we just think about it like this. If Jesus can forgive us, then certainly we can forgive others. If Jesus can offer us his grace, then we can offer grace to our friends. And when we learn to relentlessly offer grace, our friends will become friends for life. And that is something we all need deeply. Trusted and loyal friends who will show up, who will be there for us in the good times and the bad. And that brings us to our takeaway for today. Uh, in our discipleship path here at FCC, we talk a lot about being fully connected. And here is a great way to connect and encourage your friends. I wanna encourage you to do this right now. Super simple, very practical. Pull out your cell phones. You got them, go ahead and pull them out. I hope you'll do this before you leave. I'd love it for you to do it right now. Text your friends. Text one, pick one. One probably came to mind as I Text your friends. Say thank you. We pray this message has been a blessing to you. If we can pray for you or encourage you in any capacity, please let us know at FCCFM.org.